Hey everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go! We'll pick up this discussion in Romans chapter 5 and we'll finish out the book of Romans this week and then we'll get a good start on the book of 1 Corinthians all the way through chapter 11. Now last week one of the things that we said about the book of Romans is that this is one of Paul's finest works. It is a massive theological treatise looking at the question about the Gentiles and what is the relationship of the Jews and the Gentiles together as the people of God and what is the role of, of Jews in, in God's salvation program through Christ and how do Gentiles come into full fellowship under the new covenant do they need to become Jews first or become circumcised or is it some other way and as Paul argues that Jews and Gentiles both come to be saved by grace through faith and he argues that this is the same formula that God has used all along for people to be saved and that it is a misunderstanding that Abraham was saved by works or by circumcision but rather even Abraham the founder of the Jews was saved by grace through faith and so in chapter 5 it begins kind of part two of the book of Romans and we've talked so far in part one about the universal scope of human sinfulness but now Paul goes back not to Abraham as he did in chapter four but all the way back to Adam in order to point out the equally universal scope of the righteousness made available in Christ. In other words, the righteousness is, is available to both Jews and Gentiles. So Paul describes there the issue of sin and how sin has been dealt with for everyone through the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. And now the life in Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit is available to new covenant believers. Then in chapters 9 through 11, Paul goes into the third part of the book of Romans, where he talks about God's faithfulness to his covenants in spite of Jewish unfaithfulness. And he gives a little bit of a snapshot of teaching about how we are to think about the Jews. Is God done with the Jews? Or does God still have a future plan for the Jews? And we have to remember here that we're not necessarily talking about Jews as a socio-political entity. We're talking about Jewish people as an ethnicity, as a, as a people. What is God's plan for them? And that he is looking forward to a time when there will be a mass conversion, if you will, of Jews to Christianity, in other words, accepting Jesus as the Messiah, that their eyes will be opened, their hearts will be opened, and that they will embrace Jesus as the one true Messiah. And so again, we want to not confuse the Jewish political state of Israel as being what Paul's talking about here in chapters 9 through 11. He's really talking about the people as an ethnic group and what is God's plan for them and what is our relationship to them. And we can understand from this that God has one people 
And that one people consists of some Jews and some Gentiles. And how do you get to be part of that one people? You get to be part of that one people by believing that Jesus is the Messiah by grace through faith. There's not two plans of salvation. There's not two peoples. God has one people and it's made of some Jews and some Gentiles. And the entrance requirements into that people are the same for everyone in spite of whether or not you are a Jew or a Gentile. The final section in the book of Romans chapters 12 through 15 and then some concluding matters in chapter 16 um, are really about the service that God calls all of us to that by his Holy Spirit we have been transformed by the renewing of our mind through the Holy Spirit and now empowered for service and this helps us to live the kind of righteous life that God really calls us to. It's not an exterior form of righteousness as what he talks about in the, in the beginning of the book of Romans that the Jews were engaged in. Rather, it is an internal form of righteousness that manifests itself externally. God is changing our hearts that we may love one another and that that then is manifest in the, the words and the deeds that we live out on a daily basis. And as the God's Holy Spirit is living in us, we then are engaging in the kinds of, of fruit and righteousness that God calls his people to. And this is the primary kind of theological expression in the book of Romans, that, that God loves us all, both Jew and Gentile, and that his biggest expression of that love is in Christ's death and resurrection and his gift to his people in the Holy Spirit is what makes it work out in our everyday lives. Then we're going to enter into the book of 1 Corinthians. And I have to say, from my standpoint, I think the book of 1 Corinthians is one of the most difficult epistles to understand. And that's because it doesn't really have a central theme. Remember what we said last week, that an epistle is occasional theology. In other words, it's theological solutions to problems that are coming up in the church on certain occasions. And what we have in the book of Corinthians, rather than having one central question like we had in the book of Romans, in Corinthians, the, the church there is in such chaos that Paul has to address 11 different topics. And so it seems like he's constantly changing the subject and it doesn't really revolve around one central theme other than possibly this, that there is a sharp disagreement between Paul and the leaders in the Corinthian church about what it means to be led by the Spirit. What does a Spirit-filled life look like? And Paul is writing with a corrective of, you think a Spirit-filled life looks like this. Let me tell you what it's really supposed to be. And so he has all of these instructions about litigation and incest and uh, where do you get wisdom and prostitutes? And again, just, just like a, going through a grocery list of, of issues that Paul talks about. And then he says, and now on this, he got some words on a different topic. And then he switches the topic. And now on this. But really the thing tying them all together, I think, is the question of what does it look like 
to lead a spirit-filled life. Clearing up some, some common misconceptions that were happening there in the Corinthian church. And Paul seems to see that, that the gospel itself is really at stake in this question. It's not really a, a peripheral question, a side question. He, he's really fighting vociferously for his position and, and sees the Corinthians as perilously close to rejecting the centrality of the cross in the Christian life. And he's really trying to ground all of their emotions in the centrality and the wisdom of the cross. And he, he keeps coming back to that. And he has a lot of emotions. You might even try as you go through the book to identify what emotions is Paul expressing here as he goes through. There's a couple of instances where he's, he's a little sarcastic. He's very confrontational. He, it seems like he's just going through a gamut of emotions. But I think that what's interesting here and is a good reminder for us is that when we allow our emotions to get the best of us, there's, there's nothing wrong with emotions. God made us to have emotions and, and we should express our emotions, but we always have to come back and ground our emotions in something objective, something outside of ourselves, something truthful that's true in spite of our emotions. And I think it's interesting to see that Paul grounds the Corinthians and all of their kind of spiritual activities in the cross. He wants them to be focused on the wisdom of the cross. And the cross is something historical, something objective, something that's true beyond themselves, that, that Jesus died and he was buried and he was resurrected, and that that is true in spite of their emotions and in spite of what activities they may think the Holy Spirit is leading them to engage in. His central organizing point is to lead them back to the cross. And I think that that's an important message to us today. When we see Christian brothers and sisters getting really carried away with their emotions and, and calling a lot of different things spiritual that aren't in the Bible, we can just gently redirect them to the cross, just the way that Paul did to the Corinthian church. We want them to be emotional. We want them to engage in the Holy Spirit and, and to, to experience that life. But we also have to ground that in something that goes beyond our emotions in the cross of Jesus Christ itself. Well, that's all for this week. It's going to be, again, fairly easy sailing this week. You know, this is the part of the journey, again, where we're starting to see some familiar landmarks and we're getting close to home. We're, we're nearing the finish line, if you will. So stay faithful in the journey. I know that the holidays are going to be getting busy, especially with Thanksgiving coming. But be diligent. Stay in the word. Finish strong. Let's all encourage each other as a community to finish strong together. I'm right there with you. I'm going through the holidays too. It's a crunch to even get the podcast done, to get my reading done. But I'm here with you. We're all in it together. So hit me up next time. Be sure to share the podcast with a friend. Tell a friend at Grace or share it online with your other friends and let them know about this valuable resource. And I'll look forward to continuing the journey with you again next week. We'll see you then. God bless.